Okay, let's get it. Locked on LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscone, of course, ESPN Radio, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, Cox Sports TV. That's where you find me every weekday afternoon from 3 until 6 and every day right here for the Locked on LSU podcast. So Ed Ogeron meets with the media to preview the Vanderbilt game and recap Northwestern State. Uh, Cole Kublik of the SEC Network. Some interesting thoughts on this LSU offense and what defense in the league might give the Tigers the most trouble and uh, an honor in Louisiana for a former LSU football coach who is now public enemy number one. We'll get to all that here over the next 20 minutes or so. Let me start with the most relevant news from uh, Ed Ogeron's press conference. That was discussing some injuries, most notably to uh, junior safety Todd Harris. Yeah, Todd's going to be out for a year and uh, will not be back with us this year. And uh, hopefully we can use him as a redshirt. No, we will use this year as a redshirt year for him. Unfortunate. It was an unfortunate accident. His, uh, he just landed on the ground wrong. And- so a very disappointing end of the season for uh, Todd Harris, junior safety. Uh, interestingly enough, though, when you kind of look at uh, Harris's season, through three games, uh, one start through the three games, uh, although you know, LSU plays a lot of three-safety looks, so even though technically your starting safeties have been Grant Delpit and Jacoby Stevens, technically Harris was has been your free safety. Um, but through three games, you only have three tackles. Uh, t- two games plus, I guess, the his start against uh, Northwestern State. Just three tackles, one tackle for loss. Um, and like much of the secondary was vulnerable in pass coverage, certainly on the road at Texas, this is – it's odd because Harris – hasn't had the greatest start to the season, as has been the case, quite honestly, with with a, a good number of of LSU's guys in the secondary. Just mostly notable with with who they played you know, in week two. But man, I look at Harris a year ago, played in, in a, eleven games, made one start at thirty one tackles, a pick, three pass breakups, four passes defended. He's a guy they like a lot. You know, he came in, you know, in that safety class with you know with Grant Delpit and with Jacoby Stevens. And, you know, he was one of the guys that early flashed that because maybe he was a local kid, there wasn't a ton of chatter about him, but the, the coaches loved him. And he certainly developed into a player they were going to count on. What's really interesting about Harris, though, this year being injured, you know, LSU has a lot of, of safeties. They, they have good depth at the, at the position, at safety. What's interesting, though, is they don't necessarily have a lot of free safety depth. So, you know, Jacoby Stevens and Grant Delpit and Eric Monroe and Marcel Brooks they, and Cam Lewis, they all kind of look the same. Um, you know, Keenan Jones is a converted wide receiver at 6'3", 207, wears 21, fills out the uniform and looks really good. I just wonder which of those guys they might feel comfortable, you know, play in center field. Um and, and I'll be curious to see how they work that out. Now, Ed Ogeron was asked about that, about replacing uh, Todd Harrison. Here's what he said. That's right. Jacoby Stevens is going to play back there. Uh, we have to wait to see the week as the week goes who else can fit back there. So Jacoby's the only guy that Ed mentions. But what's interesting about that is you know, Jacoby Stevens has really seemingly found a home playing kind of like a hybrid outside linebacker. And it's a similar role that – that Corey Thompson played on this this LSU defense and did so very successfully where you know, he's big enough to, to step up and stop the run and physical enough. 
and he's athletic enough to rush the passer, but he's also got coverage skills, so he can cover up a tight end or a back out of the backfield. And you look at Stevens, he's currently third on the team in tackles. I mean, Jacob Phillips and Damone Clark, your inside backers, one and two, and then there's Jacoby Stevens. So the role he's filled so far through three games with three starts, you know, with uh, one and a half tackles for loss and a sack and, and 17 tackles, he's excelled in this role. So it's in, it's an interesting question. Do you move Stevens back to the free safety role, taking him out of a role that he does really well, or do you leave him where he is, you know, thus affecting two positions, or do you leave him where he is and find someone else to play free safety? And, you know, maybe it's a guy like Kerry Vincent, who at times this year has really struggled in the nickel position and pass coverage. Maybe you put him back and play him at a deep center field and you let one of the freshmen, Cordell Flott or someone like that, come off the bench and play that nickel role. Uh, they got a lot of bodies. It'll be interesting to see what Ed Ogeron and Dave Aranda elect to do. A couple of other uh, notes. Uh, Ed Ogeron also updated uh, Rashard Lawrence and Glenn Logan's status. Yeah, they, I don't think they'll be ready. Uh, not this week for sure. I don't think. So your two starting defensive ends will miss this week. Again, he also was asked about Caleb on Chasson, who sat out against Northwestern State. Ed, you mentioned uh, needing to get Caleb on healthy. What's his status heading into the week? Questionable. Questionable. Hopefully we can have him for this game, and if he is ready to play, we're going to play him. He's questionable. He's not able to practice today. We'll see it towards the end of the week. And good news on three other players who missed the Northwestern State game. What about Thad Moss, Jamar Chase, uh, Divinity? They'll be ready to play. So pretty clear that Moss, Divinity, Chase were all – it was a, a decision to hold them out. Uh, as far as Lawrence, Logan, and Chasson dealing with injuries, uh, all three of them might not be available this week against uh, against Vanderbilt. It seems like Lawrence and Logan will not play. Chasson is uh, up in the air. I've said it before. I'll continue to say it. You don't need them. Uh, LSU is nearly a three-touchdown road favorite at Vanderbilt, and at this point I don't even think style points matter. Your objective is get through the next two games. The Vanderbilt game, you got an open date, then you play Utah State. Get through the next three weeks. Let these guys all get healthy because come October 12th when Florida comes in, you better be absolutely a loaded gun to take on the Gators when they're in Baton Rouge on October the 12th. So get all those guys healthy. uh, Get more reps on the defensive line for guys like Neil Farrell Farrell and Justin Thomas and the freshman Joseph Evans. This is a great opportunity. Road, conference game, let them go jump into the deep end and see how they perform and trust that your offense can go outscore Vanderbilt, no matter even if they end up getting a few chunk plays here or there. Okay, it's Locked on LSU, your team every day. We'll knock out a quick break, come back. A Cole Kublik of the SEC Network. He was on the sideline for LSU Northwestern State working the game for the uh, SEC Network. I asked Cole if there's any defense in the SEC that could stop the LSU offense. His answer next. Locked on LSU, your team every day. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We continue Locked On LSU, your team every day. Glad to have you aboard with us here. Uh, An honor for 
uh, public enemy number one in Louisiana. That's coming up. I had a chance to visit with Cole Kublik of the SEC Network, and uh, you will hear Cole in this interview answer the question, if anybody in the SEC can stop the LSU offense. But uh, we started this conversation on the other side of the ball. I asked him, considering the struggles the past two weeks for LSU defense, what he sees that's going wrong for LSU on that side of the ball. Well, number one, I see a group that's beat up. Uh, I mean, you have, what, three or four of your front seven that maybe not starters, but guys you heavily lean on that were that were either banged up or not allowed to play in that game. That, that's going to change the way you view things. We talked about it later in the broadcast. You know, they, Tom asked me, you know, what are your thoughts after seeing this defense in person? You know, I just kind of said, man, it's, it, it's tough to gauge because, I mean, I, I think a lot of Michael's divinity, he's not out there. I think the world of Caleb on Chase Song, he's not out there. Rashard Lawrence is a really, really good interior defensive lineman. He's not out there. So, but Logan's not out there. I, it, it's hard for me to say that I feel bad about this defense because I know a lot of those guys are coming back. It's hard for me to say I feel great about them because they're not there for me to see in person. Uh, I, I have not lost as much confidence in the secondary as a lot of people have. And I was surprised that, that the coaching staff was, uh, I don't want to say down on them individually or as players or anything, but just as disappointed as they were in their performance against Texas. Because when I, when I watch the film, you know, I, I, I see Christian Fulton miss time a jump. I see two 50-50 balls that Texas receivers just won. I see a, a missed tackle on a screen go for an explosive play. So it's not like – I get more concerned about guys like players who are wide open. I get more concerned about busted coverages. Mm -hmm. I get more concerned about missed assignments. And I didn't see a ton of those in the Texas game. So my main concern is they've got to find a way to get home with four. It's going to have to happen. And if, if, if 18's on the field, I think they'll be okay doing that because he does a lot of things well that affect the pocket. And his speed, his quickness, his flexibility, his athleticism, his length, all of those things are going to help him be able to do that. And when you're going to face Kellen into a and maybe a Florida offense under Trask that actually has to throw the ball more because he does he lacks the mobility that Felipe Franks has. I mean, all those teams also have really good wide receivers. I mean, you're going to need to affect the pocket and and make the quarterback's life uncomfortable. That part concerns me a little bit. So I'm I'm, I'm wondering if they're they're going to have to alter who they thought they were going to be. I don't want to say who they are because I'm, I'm not sure that they know exactly who they are just yet. And I'm not talking about this weekend against Vanderbilt. I'm not talking about against Utah State, but maybe against Florida, definitely against Alabama. So definitely against Texas A&M. So I, I still think it's a bit of a work in progress. And you know, you'll hear every coach say this. We don't know what we are until we play. We don't know exactly what we have until we get in the game. So now you've had a couple games to see it. You've had one really good team to be able to, to sort of prove what you have. You've had another team that didn't run anything that was going to prove a whole lot. And another team that, that kind of, you know, made you look bad comparatively to the amount of talent that was on the field. And so you, you sort of take what you've learned over those three games, and, and now I think you begin to really dial in and sort of hone in and focus in and sort of outline, okay, we know we can do this. How are we going to be able to use that against the opponents that we're going to see for the rest of the season? So I'm, I'm not down on them. Um, you know, I, I still think – I love what I saw from the secondary. I mean, athletic, aggressive, can run. Those dudes can play. And that's, that's the reason that maybe after the Texas game when a lot of people just looked at the box score. Like I had some clown on Twitter today. You know, I, I, put out about, I, I put out about Grenard and how he was a monster in the game against Kentucky. And this, this doofus responds to me and says, Kentucky had 140 yards rushing and Grenard had one sack. 
I'm like, well, why the hell do I watch the film then, dude, when I can just scan the box score? Like, what am I doing with my life not hanging out with my two-year-old and my four-year-old spending hours grinding on tape every weekend? Like, what kind of nut job am I? So, <laughs> I'm looking at this right so, now. It was from Colonel Dan at UKCAT75. There he is. <laughs> yeah, Colonel, Colonel Dan, he can go somewhere that I can't say on the radio. So... Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, I think a lot of people look at that box score of the Texas game and they're like, oh, these guys can't cover. These guys aren't very athletic. And the talent did not disappear. The ability did not disappear. And that's why I have not lost a ton of confidence in the LSU defense. Okay. If, let's say hypothetically LSU defensively does struggle. Is it really going to matter? Because it doesn't seem like anybody can stop LSU offensively. So let me pose this to you this way. Can anybody in the SEC shut down the LSU offense? No, not shut down. No. There are some teams that are going to be able to give them problems. uh, Because my next biggest concern after the front seven being beat up would be the offensive line. And It's it's like you're looking at my notes, man. Well, well and, and it kind of falls along the same line because what do, what do we really have? We, I mean, I, I still think there are a lot of moving parts there. I still think you're getting a guy back in a week or two that's going to be able to potentially start. So, I, you know, you, you got a couple guys who are a little bit nicked up. So what, what exactly, you know, one guy who wasn't allowed to play last week and was allowed to play the week before but not the week before. Well, I don't really know what I'm looking at there. So it's, it's hard for me to say, kind of like the same question Tom asked me about the defense, if you ask me right now, what do you think about the LSU offensive line? I would literally say incomplete. But I, I do not know. I love Lloyd. I think right guard is in great shape. I think they're going to be fine there. I have concerns about right tackle. I depend on My answer for left tackle would be depends on what we're getting because we've seen a lot of things at left tackle. So I, I don't know exactly what we're doing over there. I, I, I got to know what we're doing first before I give you an evaluation. So uh, I think it, they have a chance to be just fine there. But when you're talking about that offense being able to just flat out move the ball, yeah, there's not a lot of guys who can cover those receivers in this league. And and here's the advantage is, you know, the the, the A&M defensive line is good. They don't have an elite edge guy. The Alabama defensive line is good. Raquan Davis is a maniac. And, you know, Anthony Jennings is a really good college football player. But this whole, you know, Terrell Lewis is going to come in here and be the next Lawrence Taylor. That hasn't happened yet this year. You know, and I've tried to calm people down on that coming into the season, like, this kid's played a quarter of football, and we're anointing him a top-10 draft pick. Like, relax a little bit. Um, so, you know, Florida is the team defensively that would concern me the most right now. And I don't think Florida can score a bunch of points on them. But you, you've you got – if Zuniga went down against Kentucky, but if Zuniga's on the field and Grenard's on the field, those are two guys against that offensive line, at least what I think it's going to be when they play – that can really cause some problems. Yeah. I mean, really cause some problems. And then if CJ's back on the back end, they got a couple of dudes who can cover, which if you got guys who affect the pocket, you don't have to cover as much. But conceptually what they do, and with the guy they have pulling the trigger, I would not count that offense out of any game because I think they have the capabilities to put up big numbers on anybody that they play. But if you're just talking matchups, I think the Florida one may be the trickiest or the most complicated of what they're going to get. Again, our conversation with Cole Kublik of the SEC Network. Uh, that's only about half of our chat. If you want to hear the conversation in its entirety, you can go to 1045ESPN.com, catch it on demand, AFR on demand, or however you're listening to this podcast, just search 1045ESPN Baton Rouge and uh, subscribe, and you'll see the uh, Cole Kublik interview there. 
Uh, Locked on LSU, brought to you in part by Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter the promo code KICKOFF at checkout and receive a discount of up to $100. Again, download the Vivid Seats app, enter the promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. We'll wrap up next. Public enemy number one in Louisiana receiving one of the highest honors in Louisiana. That's next. Locked on LSU, your team every day. Wrapping up another edition of the Locked on LSU podcast, your team every day. Uh, I want to get to an honor for uh, Alabama head coach Nick Saban being honored by the state of Louisiana. We'll do that in just a second. One thing I neglected to get to in the first segment, however, is uh, an update on Ed Ingram. And I do think this is significant, especially considering what you just heard Cole Kublik talk about there with the LSU offensive line um, you know, and kind of alluding to the fact that LSU might get a piece back, that being Ed Ingram. Ed Ogeron updated Ed Ingram's status on Monday. Yeah, we, we're hearing very positive news. We have nothing official. I expect to know something uh, in the near future, the next couple of days. And when I do hear something official, I'll bet to let you guys know officially. But everything we hear is be very positive, and we should hear something in the next couple of days. So on the field, that would be fantastic news for LSU if they get a you know former freshman All-America offensive lineman back for this season at a spot where they desperately need reinforcements. Uh, but one question is how quickly Ed Ingram, if he is reinstated, could get back on the field. Here's what Ed Ogeron had to say. Yes, he's going. Through, he's been through some workouts. Obviously, he's been working out on his own. He's going through some acclimatization stuff with, with helmets on and stuff like that. So when he does come back, uh, we'll be able to clear him and we, he'll be ready to play. A lot of people have asked how significant that would be, and it would be critical because I don't think there's any question right now you've had issues at left guard rotating a number of guys, if it's Damian or if it's Abadara Traora, Adrian McGee, Jason Hines. Um, I don't think there's any question. If you solidify that spot and you flank Lloyd Cushenberry with Ed Ingram and Damian Lewis, the interior of your line becomes pretty good. Not dominant, but but solid. And then you hope that Sadiq Charles and Austin Deculus continue to improve. And And if they do and they can perform well against the, the better defensive lines in the SEC that you're going to face, then you have a pretty stout group. But you know, when you have you know, a leak in that line, it has a trickle-down effect to the entire unit. So, yeah, it's, it's massively important uh, if they're able to get Ed Ingram back. Okay, uh, it's Locked in LSU, your team every day. Before we put a button on it, uh, early on Tuesday, the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame announced its inductees for the 2020 class. And among them are outdoorsman Phil Robertson of a Duck Dynasty fame, uh, eight-time Mr. Olympia world bodybuilding champion Ronnie Coleman uh, there as well, a Sweet Lou Dunbar of the Harlem Globetrotters, uh, some former NFL Pro Bowlers, former Saints receiver Joe Horn, Bears cornerback Peanut Tillman, of course, was a star at ULL, uh, Kerry Kittles, New Orleans native, who was two-time All-American at Villanova and had an eight-year NBA career. Uh, Louisiana lady texter, legend Angela Turner, who uh, led her teams to four straight national championship game appearances uh, in the 1980s. Oh, yeah, and Nick Saban. Um, the former LSU coach who was 48-16 and 16 during his seasons in Baton Rouge, five seasons in Baton Rouge. 
uh, before jumping to the NFL to go coach the Dolphins and then returning to college football, of course, with Alabama. But Nick won two SEC championships in Baton Rouge, 2001-2003, and, of course, won the 2003 national championship, the first at LSU since 1958, a 45-year drought. Um, there's a lot of people that are going to look at this today and maybe roll their eyes. I'm not one of them. Uh, it is my sincere hope that at some point, I don't know when that day will be, and maybe this is, is part of it, but it is my sincere hope that at some point LSU fans embrace Nick Saban's legacy uh, in Baton Rouge. And I'll grant you that you know there's probably younger fans who um, don't have as strong a connection to that 03 team uh, that might struggle with that because of Saban's recent dominance. But I was a senior at LSU in 2003. I lived a charmed college life. You know, I, I got to see the 01, 02, and 03 seasons as a student at LSU, and 04, quite honestly, uh, as a student at LSU. I was a December graduate. But I, um, I have so many amazing memories of that 03 team. Just of that whole stretch of of my life as a college student, but also growing up loving LSU and literally thinking Atlanta was an unrealistic dream. And then to get there in 01 and to win it was euphoric. And then to climb the the unscalable mountain which seemed reserved for Florida and Florida State and Nebraska in those days. Um, and to win a national championship in 2003, I, I don't know that as a sports fan in my life, I've had a bigger high. The Saints winning the Super Bowl in 2009 is comparable and, and probably on par with that LSU championship. But in, in 2003, being a student at LSU and, and – attending every single game that season, including a road trip to Tucson, a road trip to South Carolina, you know, watching LSU pile drive Alabama, the game against Ole Miss where Eli fell down, um, you know, the SEC championship when Justin Vincent rips off the long run against Georgia and LSU just bludgeons them. You know, the game in Baton Rouge against Georgia. Um, man, I, I just I can't help um but think with so much fondness about that era and that 2003 season and know that it would not have been possible but for Nick Saban. So while I loathe the, the challenge that Alabama has been, the roadblock they've been to LSU's ultimate success, um, robbing the 2011 team of what would have been a national championship, um, I also have great affinity for Saban because of what he did here in his five seasons and certainly what he did in 2003 in leading LSU to a national championship. So I, I will offer my congratulations to Nick Saban and, and sincerely hope someday that collectively LSU honors Nick Saban the way he deserves to be honored because much of the success we've all enjoyed over the last 20 years is due in large part to the foundation he laid uh, starting in 2000 and ultimately winning the 2003 national championship. So congrats to Nick Saban on uh, being elected to the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, something he so very much deserves.
All right, it's going to do it for us here. Uh, please like the podcast, subscribe to it, uh, tell a friend. We're here uh, every weekday. Locked on LSU, your team every day.